What's up, everybody? This is Tanner from TanManBaseballFan.com. Decided to take a, a break during the day here and uh, throw up a, a little podcast of an interesting story. Uh, for me, when it comes to baseball cards, the story behind the cards is like everything. I love a story. It can take an otherwise mundane card and make it special for me. And I think it does that with a lot of people also. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about a type of baseball card that you probably have never heard of before. Um, it is called 1992 Ace. Now, if you're familiar with uh, all kinds of the toys from that came out of the 90s, like those ugly troll dolls, well, uh, Ace Novelty is the company that created those. So back in 1992, uh, Ace Novelty actually decided to throw their hat in the baseball card making ring. Um, and, uh, so I've learned a lot about these over the years, uh, from certain people that, that know, um, more about it than other, than others, because a lot of people just don't know about these cards. Um, and so I'll, I'll try to tell you a little bit about them. It's, it's kind of a fun story and also a little bit of a, what could have been, um, in the future, which is kind of, or in the future of Ace Novelty, if, if things didn't go awry. So, um, what happened is Ace Novelty said, okay, Major League Baseball, we want to start to create baseball cards. And so what they did is they um, created a prototype set and it's nothing, you know, flashy or anything. It, it probably back in 1992, it, it probably would have stood up, stood out a little bit because uh, it had full bleed uh, photography and, you know, that sort of thing. It's probably, uh, probably along the lines of Stadium Club or something without, you know, any foil. Um, and so they look decent nowadays. I mean, they're nothing. I mean, if, if millions of them were printed, they'd be worth like a few pennies each. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's the truth. But, um, uh, anyway, so there, so a little prototype set was made and the card numbers ranged from one to like up in the 800. So we're talking a massive set. So bigger than, um, any of the other companies, uh, at that time were making, um, I believe Upper Deck was probably the largest set at 800. Uh, the difference between the Ace Novelty cards, though, is that they had a number of them in the prototypes as uh, cards that were printed in Spanish, French, Japanese. So it was kind of very interesting. So, it, you know, your mind can obviously wonder. So first of all, number one, um, you understand upon based on the card numbering that they weren't just trying to be one of those little you know, subsets put out by Kmart or something, you know, they were, they were literally competing to go up against tops, Fleer, score, Donruss, uh, upper deck and the like. So, uh, so that's kind of neat to know. But another thing is, uh, knowing that they had different languages, it appears to me as though they tried to hit the international market. So it made me think for a while, like, could you imagine if Ace Novelty was awarded this license to create baseball cards and they go into France, they go into Japan and they go into Mexico. They go to all these places and let's say they flourish. Does tops Fleer score Donruss upper deck, uh, follow? I think they do. I really, I really think they do. And if that's the case, if baseball cards flourish, uh, throughout all these other countries, they very well might be as big as basketball cards are now overseas. So that's kind of interesting to me. So, um, uh, you know, kind of tell you a little bit more about what happened here is uh, there's a worker at Ace that had these this little small run of prototype cards uh, from the Ace Novelty set. 
And he's involved somehow with like a little league baseball team. This was also, by the way, corroborated with an email that somebody scanned to show me that was from 1999. So <laughs> the, the email itself is 21 years old, but the email was created seven years from when these were created, which is kind of neat. So um, anyway, so the ace novelty worker that has to do with the little league uh, team uh, gives out these baseball cards in anticipation of MLB awarding them license. Everything looked like it was going to be a go. So all the kids get, you know, I don't know if it was like 12, 15 cards or whatever, but um, there were no duplicates that anyone was given. So in other words, kid one would have completely different cards from kid two and three and kid 14 would have more cards, uh, different cards than, you know, kids seven and eight and so on and so forth. So they're all different. Um, I don't know how many exactly there were completely, but there was just a you know little stack that was given out. And the problem was, was that the 11th hour, uh, the, uh, the MLB decided, no, we're not going to give you the license. And so that was probably a little bit of an oops situation there. Uh, the guy was like, well, uh, crap, I gave out these prototypes uh, and they're not supposed to exist. And they are now in the hands of these grubby paws of these 12 year olds. <laughs> they're playing low league or 10 year old or whatever. Um, and so these cards, one by one, they, they kind of trickle uh, into the marketplace and, and have have done so over the past, I don't know, 20 years or so. Um, a lot of them can go for really big money. I mean, I think there's like a Kirby Puckett that sold for over $400, and uh, which, by the way, is just like really crazy to me because you, you truthfully have... Cards that really wouldn't be exciting otherwise had there been, you know, tons of them created. But the you know, truth of the matter is that's what happens when you have a good story and you match it with like a super rare card that people are aware of. Then what happens is some of these cards will go on want lists of, of uh, collectors and super collectors alike. And they'll sit there for months and years and decades and if that card doesn't pop up, guess what? The value increases in the minds of the people that are looking for it. Because they might say, look, I've got like this want list of 100 Nolan Ryan, for instance. I was able to cross off 93 of them over the past 20 years. This Ace Novelty card, uh, I've never even seen one before. It's one of seven that I need. Well, guess what? That value of that card goes up exponentially uh, in the collectors that are looking for that card. And it's Ace Novelty is kind of a unique situation because not many people know about them. But for those that do know about them, they're willing to pay big money. So that's the first part of the story. And just to kind of tell you where I'm at as far as uh, the cards go, I have seen in my life two uh, separate, different Jose Canseco 1992 Ace Novelty baseball cards. Uh, I sold them a couple of years ago, probably. And several months after that, I was able to trade back for them. And I might have bought them. I don't remember which one it was. But I was very, very, very happy to be able to get those two back in my, uh, you know, in my collection because it's not just like some fly-by-night company that was creating some unlicensed subset. You know, this is actually something that was meant to, uh, you know, put tops and Fleer score upper deck donners on their heels, and uh, which is really kind of a kind of a fascinating story um in my opinion so uh the rest and now as paul harvey would say for the rest of the story 
Um, what happened was Major League Baseball said, okay, Ace, we're not giving you the license. All of those uncut sheets of baseball cards that you have in your warehouse, uh, you have to put those in a landmine or in landfill and cover them up. And it has to be supervised. So what they're saying basically is, you know, you can't do anything with these at all, period. So one of the workers at ACE, as far as I've been told, uh, was given the sheets and was told to bring them to a landfill or at the very least meet whoever was up there at the landfill uh, and was ordered to supervise the sheets being covered. So he does that. But before he does that, he actually takes uh, one of the sheets for himself. So uh, years later, a sheet, this sheet in very you know, very bad condition. There, there's like a Griffey and Clark and Puckett and Biggio and Ryan and, you know, various, you know, lesser known guys as well. Uh, and it was just a single sheet, had uh, fronts and backs on some of the cards just on one side of the sheet. And uh, uh, it shows up on eBay probably about four or five years ago. A buyer comes on, picks it up for peanuts. Nobody knows what it is. He buys it for I don't remember, 20, 25, 30 bucks, takes the sheet, cuts it up and sells the sheets, uh, sells the actual cut up cards and makes a killing. Like he sells them for great money. Now I was, I saw the, uh, the Consecos. There were actually two Consecos on there. One of them I already had a, the card of basically. Um, but the other one was a Japanese version. And so I was really excited to be able to get those uh, those sheet cuts. So I was able to do a deal um, for the sheet cuts years ago. And uh, so there were basically four pieces total. There were two fronts that were blank back and there were two backs to match those fronts that were blank back. I got all of them. So a couple of years ago, um, along with the actual cards I had sold, I sold those sheets as well, the sheet cuts. And uh, so I just you know, whenever I was getting back some other cards, I didn't care about those in the least. I just really didn't care because they didn't fit my collection. I didn't want to get these cards or these sheets that were oversized and didn't really fit well in my holders. And yes, you know, so I just had no interest in them whatsoever. Uh, a super collector, I could completely understand would want those. But for me, I just didn't um, until about a couple months ago, I started thinking about this. I was thinking how uh, significant the Japanese version was, uh, how it might be the only example of Kinseiko out there to exist right now. Um, they might have made a real card. They might not have, but they might have made a real card of it and uh, given it to a, a nine-year-old or 10-year-old and he might have destroyed it or something. He might have put it in his pocket and forgot about it during a little league and slid in the second and just, you know, wrinkled it up or something. You just never know, <laughs> you know, your, your mind can kind of run wild with, uh, with scenarios of these special prototype cards. But in any event, uh, I decided to reach out to, uh, the buyer who is a friend of mine of that sheet cut and asked him if we could do a trade and, uh, he agreed to it. So we did a trade. I, offered him more than I care to publicly admit. Um, but I was able to secure it and I got the Japanese front and back, uh, back into my collection. Now, the thing that I was mainly interested in was not keeping them in sheet cut form. Uh, what I wanted to do is I wanted to actually create a real baseball card out of it. So what I did was I affixed the front and back uh, to each other and I trimmed it down to a regular size card. 
And voila, I basically did exactly what Ace Novelty would have done just without the machine work, <laughs> without the machine, without the machinery. So, uh, you know, I have an authentic uh, card that was, you know, it was from a sheet, but all cards are technically from sheets at one point or another. Uh, and now I have the Japanese example of that card. I'm really excited um, about being able to get that into my collection, especially um, now that is a card as opposed to two blank back sheets that were oversized because that just doesn't do anything for me. It's a lot more palatable for me um, uh, in my collection to have actual cards instead of oversized sheet cuts. So super happy about that. And also I'm you know really excited about the story and having an example of the sheet that was just at the precipice of uh, its demise. You know, it was about to be covered in a landfill, never to be seen again. And, uh, you know, to have that in my collection as a card now, which is really cool. So, uh, and the fun thing about this hobby, everybody, is, is that there are a lot of stories like this on different types of cards. And so you just got to start looking and doing research and everything. But that's what makes this hobby so fun. It's not just a matter of, oh, I pulled this card from a pack of baseball cards or whatever. It's, uh, it's just the rich, deep story behind these cards that make them so interesting to me. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I wanted to keep this under 15 minutes and just have it a, as a uh, quick, I don't know what you would call this, history lesson on a card that you've never heard of before, probably. <laughs> I don't know. But um, anyways, I uh, hope this was enjoyable. And uh, if you all have anything else to add about this, feel free to reach out to me. Um, I'd love to hear it. Thanks. Have a great day.